This is Local Mash. Get inside and lock your doors. On Birmingham Mountain Radio. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to Local Mash on Birmingham Mountain Radio, brought to you by Church Street Coffee and Books up in Crestline Village. Go to Church Street or the devil will get you. Our show is also brought to you in part by Boutwell Recording Studios in the heart of Homewood. Boutwell Studios, creative audio and production. My name's Daniel Long, and I'll be your host again tonight for a very special guest, my dear friend, Michael Montgomery. Ish Montgomery is going to be here, and Mike is a Birmingham native who is a fantastic bass player and is currently out with Duran Jones and the Indications, and man, we're going to play you some of the music he's been a part of, some of the other projects, and just kind of hear how he got started in music. He has a really unique story, kind of, uh, you know, some... Some people might think that uh, that they, they get started later in life to certain things, and especially with music, sometimes it's easy to think, if you didn't start as a child, then, well, you just don't have what it takes. And that is absolutely not true, and Michael is the just a great example of that, about how determination and connection and finding your path can happen, you know, at any point. And he has really grabbed a hold of that opportunity and become one of my favorite bass players. And I mean, and that may not be saying much, but he's also a fantastic bass player. And if you don't believe me, then just take a listen. All right. First up, a little bit of conversation. So stick around. This is Local Mash. Hey, everyone, you're listening to Local Mash on Birmingham Mountain Radio, and I'm Daniel Long. And today, tonight, I have... A really special guest is a really dear friend from my childhood who is also a fantastic musician from right here in Birmingham, just happens to be in town right now for Mother's Day and to grab some yeah. stuff from the family before he heads back home, which is you're in, are you in, I'm in Br- Brooklyn, Brooklyn right now? Yeah, okay, Brooklyn and uh, yeah, actually heading to Memphis right after this on the way, way out, but it kind of, it was a happy convergence where I could kind of come home so flew into atlanta to see mom we like drove to birmingham and then uh um heading out to memphis and then do a, a week there uh in a studio which even though it's a, a week away i still don't know where it is but it's uh yeah it'll be a surprise but doing a a week in memphis some kind of writing and recording and then heading back home yeah so i didn't finish what i was saying michael montgomery everyone michael montgomery <laughs> sorry i'm just so excited to be able to hang out i feel oh, like man, i'm forgetting myself <laughs> man you know but um but i would love to be able to share conversations um with people and i know you got people here and you're definitely involved with some projects that we've played on the show and that have been through town playing live at sin kane um yeah think, a couple uh, years ago came through right now yeah yeah played uh yeah, I think we were at the Saturn a couple, a couple years ago. Battle Tree. I think we've been uh, yeah. back a, a couple of times, and then. So I know you. You were. We've t- talked a little bit about how you um, came into music as you were coming out, uh, kind of in high school, getting out of high school into your collegiate career, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a <laughs> a weird. Uh, uh, yeah, it was roundabout and took my time. You know, a lot of people kind of start younger, but definitely started after high school. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, we were talking about UAB where when I was there, uh, like 19, second year trying to decide, you know, you got to declare a major. And I was like, I want to play music, but I had never played music before. I had like taken some lessons down at uh, Fretted Instruments with this guy, Herb Trotman. Mm-hmm. I've done, uh, you know, so I had some real introductory stuff and then our mutual friend Andy Gathings, like we would just kind of sit and like, you know, strum together. Those were like my early experiences, but like definitely like self-taught, didn't know anything, but I went down to the music department at UAB to kind of declare a major and then found out that it, it doesn't work that way. You have to have a little bit of a background. So so he was real, real nice and uh, I forget who it was, but kind of referred me to this guy, Cleve Eaton, who's a great, great bass player. Man, legend, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, maybe you can take some lessons with him. And he was like, you know, very supportive. Just take some lessons and come back and end up being kind of more circuitous route. But uh, I just kind of left left school because I, uh, all the things I wanted to do couldn't really, 
weren't viable. So music, I couldn't couldn't do, didn't have any skills. And uh, I went down and tried to do, you know, I told my dad, make maybe like literature. I was like, that could be fun or like philosophy. And he's like, both those things, he's kind of nixed. He's like, you know, <laughs> you can't do anything but, but teach those aren't real. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just, yeah, uh, hit, hit the road. So that's kind of when I moved out of Birmingham and, you know, moved around and worked uh, some kind of odd jobs I was living like in Burlington, Vermont, like in between there and Asheville, North Carolina, because I wasn't ready to do full on winters yet. So I would come back down to North Carolina for the the winter. But that's when I started playing. I was working at a Brugger's Bagels in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, and it was kind of funny. I was working two jobs. I met this other guy sitting outside a coffee shop, uh, Alex Hong, who was a, an upright bass player. And then there's this guy, Eric Landsberger, who was working at Brugger's my second job and he was an upright bass player and it's not the most common instrument but i was just kind of working these two random jobs and like i met these two upright bass players so uh eric kind of put me up at his house and he offered to like he's like yeah you know you try my bass you know uh if you want and i was way too intimidated i was like no i'm not going to and uh so i was hanging out <laughs> with that guy like alex and he had his bass kind of sitting in the corner and he's like man you want to try it out same deal i was like no because it's this big imposing instrument and uh but he just kind of made me do it, and he kind of put it put in my hands, and he kind of leaned it against me. And it's, from the time I hit that first note, it just has this powerful, like the way it vibrated against my body. I was like, okay, like I am actually into this. So I went back, and uh, I was really into music, and I would like read kind of music magazines and all that. So there was an insert in the middle of one of these magazines for Gym Lab Superstore. And, you know, one of those things where you can buy, like, a mixer, buy like this or that for, like, however many payments. So I just, like, I went home and I ordered uh, an upright bass <laughs> out of this catalog in the, the middle of this, like, uh, you know, four payments of whatever. is like, you know, came out to, like, probably, like, 800 bucks. But, but yeah, I had this van at the time, and I went down to the UPS place and picked up my upright bass out of the, took it out of the box. But that was my start. I didn't know anything about anything. I just, uh, I felt like I had, like, a connection to the instrument. So I just kind of went for it uh but yeah that was kind of like the the start yeah
is Sin Kane featuring Aaron Fraser and our guest tonight, Michael Montgomery, bass player from right here in Birmingham, Alabama, now living in Brooklyn, New York, touring with Duran Jones and the Indications, Sin Kane, Eli Paperboy Reed. We're going to let you hear a little bit of the music that he's been a part of tonight. But now back to our conversation with Mike. And yeah. then you made your way north. Yeah. To Berkeley. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, fast for not that far, you know, had my base, still no background, but, uh, I moved up to Burlington, Vermont full time, you know, had a friend mm-hmm. who was there and, uh, I kind of crashed with him and then, uh, randomly, uh, got offered a, a job at this coffee shop, uh, by this guy I walked into the coffee shop and I kind of happened to know the owner from a previous life, you know, I'd kind of done some work with kids and had to work with his daughter, but he was like, I guess he had a premonition, but he's like, well, if you ever decide you want to spend more time here, put down roots, then you got a job here. And then my friend was this coffee shop, Muddy Waters in Brunson, North Carolina. But he's like, actually, it's a, it's kind of a good job. You know, it's like a, it's a cool place. And like everybody kind of comes in and out. So I was like, yeah, I'll put down roots here. So I was living in Burlington, Vermont, and I had my base. And uh, I just kind of met this guy. I had a roommate. Uh, I was at the grocery store with him and he ran to uh, this guy who was an established musician in town. He's like, here's my friend. He's a bass player. And I was like, no, I'm not a bass player. I own a bass. But I still didn't know, like, I didn't know any, like, scales, like, major scales or whatever. I just kind of would thump around for fun. But uh, but anyway, this guy was like, oh, cool, man. Like, we should hook up sometime and took my number. Uh, and then he actually did end up calling me the next week and he's, he had this band, the Black Sea Quartet. And it was like a a Bulgarian, like, gypsy, like, klezmer band. And he's like, we're getting together. <laughs> cool. We're have we going to have a, uh, a little jam at, like, University of Vermont in these practice rooms. So I went down and and played with them, but I was really intimidated. I didn't know anything about music, and I was, like, you know, literally, like, sweating, and I was like, oh, these guys are going to hate me. And, like, even when I left, you know, that feeling uh, you get sometimes when you're, like, more established people. I just walked out. I was kind of hanging my head, and I thought it, it went terrible because I had no idea what I was doing. And <laughs> there was even some stuff from, like, odd meters because it's that, like, Bulgarian, like, gypsy stuff. So they're playing, like, in seven but anyway i got a call a couple of days later from the accordion player this guy david simmons a great musician who's down in new orleans now but uh he's like yeah man we talked about it and i didn't know it was an audition it was that classic thing and he's like we talked about it and like we're looking for a bass player we you know would you like to play with this but that started it all off because uh they got this weekly gig at this place the radio bean which is a great place to play up there uh small coffee shop but the guy lee already set up a cool thing where like people will come from all over to play uh so I ended up with this weekly nice. gig, the radio being like playing with this, you know, klezmer group. And through that, like other people started to come and see me. Uh, you know, this guy, Randy, Randy Pierce, this piano player came and saw me. He's like, oh, you know, you, you play, uh, you play upright. I have this like jazz trio. And like, you know, this is like, I'm just like kind of getting uh, started. I definitely like, don't feel like I can play like in a jazz trio, but like, you know, same thing. I kept getting like thrown into these situations where people were just like, man, it's cool. Just like come and come and jam. And then I would think it would go terribly. And then they'd, they'd, uh, <laughs> they, they, you know, want to keep They're playing. So, so this other guy, like, uh, we had this start this group rig, which is like Randy ish, which is like my nickname. And, uh, Gabe, who is Gabe Jarrett, who's a uh, Keith Jarrett's son, is actually a, a okay. great drummer up there. Yeah. And like, he was a little, old and established we never thought that he'd want to play with us but uh but you know he was kind of looking for it was fun to, for him to play these gigs because he's usually doing like kind of higher profile stuff and he just gets to kind of like hang and just play some some standards so so i ended up with kind of like a few different like weekly gigs at this uh place like the radio bean and that was kind of like my training ground and after doing that for a year a year and change then uh I was like, man, I want some kind of like foundation. I don't know anything about like music. I did start kind of teach myself out of like some books, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but you can only kind of go so far. I took like a lesson and like I, I kind of felt like I could do just as well from like the, the books, you know, and just mm-hmm. kind of like teaching myself like, you know, what I could. So, but yeah, I just kind of uh, I had heard about Berkeley College of Music in Boston from uh just some some guys I was listening to, you know. There's some like some kind of like jazz or stuff. This guy like Kurt Rosenwinkel and like Mark Mark Turner and like all these people I found out. This pianist like Brad Meldow, like uh, his yeah. drummer Jorge Rossi, like all these people I was like kind of listening to and influenced by at, at the time. Uh, I found out it kind of made their way through through Berkeley. So I was like, let me check this school out and uh, and yeah, I just kind of submitted a a cd and like this essay and i was old at the time like by the time i was like applying to berkeley i was like 24 so like when i went there mm-hmm. i was 25 so definitely not typical college age but you know uh 
fortunately for me, there are a lot of other students who are kind of like older who kind of come there, you know, just because of reputation. They'll kind of do other stuff and decide they want to do kind of like what I did. But uh, so I submit this letter about how, you know, I don't have like a lot of like formal training, but I, I'm really passionate about music, which I was and like, you know, told my background then. I submitted this CD that had me playing like a, a transcription that I'd kind of like gotten from one of those books I was learning from. This guy, Mark Johnson, who was Bill Evans, the piano player, his uh, bass player. So I played like, it was basically kind of like an etude from him. And then uh, one of like, I like, you know, taking a Zoom mic and recorded one of those like live gigs I did in the coffee shop. Yeah. And I, I put that on there. And something else, I did like a free improvisation. It was just like me playing. And it was like super weird thing to put on a thing, but I had like a, a bow and I was just kind of making noises. But I think for them, they must have liked it because I did have, you know, a lot of kids probably come straight from high school and maybe haven't done a lot of gigs, but I was like kind of gigging, I had a background and, uh, you know, but they took a chance on me and like I was admitted and they even gave me like a little bit of scholarship. They had this like uh, entering student like town thing. And then, uh, but yeah, kind of made my way to Boston and then, yeah, that was the beginning of actually having some foundation. But obviously, like, started uh, on the ground level on in terms of, like, the basic stuff, you know, ear training, like, theory, because, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I taught myself. I had no background whatsoever. But, but yeah, I was there and then kind of, like, you know, went through the paces and, you know, one thing led to another. But, yeah, met a lot of good people that I still play with to this day. You know, that ends up being, like, the... I had teachers who told me that, and I didn't really kind of fully get it at the time, but, like, they're like, you know, the best thing you'll get from this is, like, you know, the people you're going to play with, you know, like, contacts and, like, friends, and that ended up being true, you know? So one by one, uh, uh, all my friends that I played with in Boston had kind of made their way to, to New York, and then I looked up, and I knew more people in New York than I did in Boston, so I was like, you better make the make the moves. So I slowly made my way, but, but, yeah, the whole way from, like, uh, from, like, you know, kind of working those jobs like construction and like brewers bagels and meeting those people to like mm -hmm. uh all the way through to going to new york it's just kind of like me feeling like i'm not ready for things and like just kind of being pulled along and people are like nah it's cool man like just ah yeah yeah but what an amazing like journey a real roundabout uh non-traditional <laughs> yeah yeah, there is no real set path for most musicians, right? I mean, it's always a no, real no. fun adventure when you when you get you, you don't know what's going on <laughs> while you're in it. You might not know where you're going yet, but when you look back, it kind of starts making more sense. Yeah, because it's like a a thing we're like driven by. Yeah, we just have these drives and like something like we're passionate about. So like it's not always like rational. It's just like we have uh, a feelings or something just like feels good and just like want to follow that mm -hmm. uh, it's like a healthy healthy version of that thing just follow the feeling and yeah, yeah. <laughs> get more of it man. cool yeah. well let's hear a little music and then we're going to jump right back and, and we'll kind of catch up with the rest of your story that's brought you up to this last year yeah Oof. cool alright you're listening to Local MASH more from our guest tonight Mike Montgomery here on Local MASH on Birmingham Mountain Radio in just a minute but before that We've got another song for you that Mike played bass on. It's a tune from 1968 written by Jimmy Collier and Reverend Frederick Douglas Kirkpatrick. It is called Everybody's Got a Right to Live, and this is Duran Jones and the Indications right here on Local MASH.
Listening to the local mash on Birmingham Mount Radio, and I've got Michael Montgomery here, Birmingham musician, now transplanted to Brooklyn, New York, and all over the country. And he's been telling us a little bit about his journey. And Susie Blue Cheese is enamored of him. Just our little blue healer. She won't leave him alone. So <laughs> if you hear any She's any good. scuffles in this, that's probably her. She's just as excited as she can be to see a a new person. Oh, all right. So kind of got us up to Berkeley and getting through there and then realizing that New York was the place you needed to be, right? All right. I had, I had to be. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Like I didn't, uh, a lot of people had this like dream of going to New York or whatever. I like, can, it's always like this thing, but for some reason I never, uh, yeah, I just didn't really like, think that much of it. And then like, uh, what, it was like kind of a flat line. It's not, I didn't think that much, but just like didn't have this like desire, but, uh, but yeah, I just kind of, Boston has this thing where they feel like they're like, you know, Boston, New York, they're like sister cities, like whatever. So I thought it was just like, you know, another place you can go and like live. But as soon as I moved there, I was like, man, what took me so long? This is not the same place. This is like, everything's here. Like, you know, just like food, like music, like just going out, like, like completely different energy. And it's like, obviously like New York, but I just kind of, I'd never really, I don't know, I guess I'd seen in some movies growing up. I never had like that thing with like, ah, New York, but until I got there and I was like, ah. Whoa. But I wish like, I could spend a couple years after like Berkeley kind of hanging out in Boston and kind of playing. And, you know, I was mostly kind of on, on the road, like uh, like my last semester. I actually didn't finish up a lot of my final projects because like I uh, went to South by Southwest like that. Uh, yeah. And in lieu of that, and then uh, it just kind of went from there. So I wasn't, I was kind of on the road and like in in Boston, but by the time I got to New York, I was like, man, I should have just like cut and been here like right away. It's like, who knows straight. what I missed out on like the last couple of years? But yeah, but yeah. So when you talk about South by Southwest, um, who who did you first start getting out on the road with when you? It was this guy Eli Paperboy Reed. Yeah, He's like a, a soul. Uh, yeah, yeah kind of throwback soul in the vein of like uh, Sam Cooke, Otis Redding, like terrific singer and like great like encyclopedia of like music you know and like uh, blues and like soul gospel music but uh yeah he's like a historian too yeah, I mean, he yeah. really is isn't pretty he? deep knowledge yeah. yeah i feel like yeah definitely is. i honestly feel like he might know like more than anybody on like the globe is it not like a lot of a lot of people be just like so of his of his age you know right. uh but he's just really like you know been like kind of preserving that and then kind of met and like played with a lot of like the older guys too uh including like some great people like this guy roscoe robinson like birmingham uh that's you were telling me about right he's he's actually going to be through town to visit Is yeah, that right? yeah, yeah he's going to be visiting roscoe i think next next week yeah yep yeah. but yeah so i was with uh eli who actually i met randomly in this apartment i was like moving in and uh he lived on the ground floor and I was moved into the third floor and then my roommates were musicians. They were, uh, two guys who went to the new England, new England conservatory, which is the other, like mm-hmm. one of the other music schools in like Boston, that like, kind of up the, the road. But, uh, yeah, Eli heard there was a bass player moving in. Uh, so he literally like caught me like the first day and then like later on it made sense. You know, he's a very like direct, direct guy, but it kind of, I get why he like, he's like, cool, I'm gonna find this guy like, right away. But, uh, but yeah, he kind of helped me move, move in. And then like, while he's like putting boxes down he's like hey man i hear your bass player i'm looking f- to start like a band uh 
you know, I was like, what kind of music? And like, you know, it's like soul music. And like at the time, you know, it seemed like it like new. And I was like, man, I don't really know anything about soul music. And uh, he's like, that's cool. And it's like, well, I don't, I just play like upright bass. And I'm like, you know, and he's like, that's cool too. You know, but, uh, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, a lot of the old guys, like, you know, like old bands, like they had upright bass in the recordings, you know, which I found like later to be true. But uh, so I was like, maybe. You know, I'm in school, a little busy, but then he uh, he gave me, like, a CD. He recorded, like, there's a guy, Jack Younger, who had, like, a studio in the basement. Uh, yeah. But he recorded this little, like, record with, like, Jack Younger called, like, Eli Paper Reads Sings Walking and Talking. You know, it's, like, uh, kind of old yeah. soul covers. But uh, he left it with me, and then, like, I literally, like, I played it, and, like, I did. I, like, laughed out loud. I was like, it's hilarious because it sounded like, you know, Jack just had, like, a tape studio, and, like, Eli's, like, super like raw like everybody was and just like there's like washboard but it sounded like it was from like the 50s but i just like laugh because i was like man i didn't i hadn't heard like a lot of kind of throwback soul and like still done to that degree of mm -hmm. like kind of his like uh like the grasp he had on like the sound and then like that uh you know just like the recording like with the tape and like the mics and everything it literally sounded from the the 50s so i told him i was like yeah man i'm i'm down so so it was like eli and then like he had to put together a band so i found like other people from school you know from like patrick moody who's playing trumpet like uh yeah no rubin uh, like drums but uh yeah so we kind of put together the band and then we played throughout school and then like luckily it was like when i was getting towards like graduation like that's when he started to kind of like do more stuff and travel uh but that was like the first south by southwest and uh when our first like kind of touring experiences you know before our first tour i think we did that and that was part of it and uh yes yeah, so we did that and then it just kind of went from there uh yeah just Eli started playing more and kind of blew up we played uh went over like to london like the uk and played the show like jules holland who's kind of like yeah. uh it's kind of like a Big like music show, and if you if you're played on that, and like kind of like the BBC, it kind of like you yeah, know, it, it kind of you you do a certain amount of playing over there. So he just kind of started like uh, playing a lot in the UK and like kind of Europe and like uh, everywhere. So we just kind of started being pretty busy. So I started playing with Eli right out of like school, and then uh, it's, is this about what year? Uh, this is probably two thousand eight. Uh, mm -hmm. 2007. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Around there, like, yeah, like getting towards like the late 2000s. Uh, so I was still playing upright and then, uh, we were just kind of like trying to fit that and then it just became kind of impractical. And then, uh, I tried this thing called a stick bass for a while, which is like the electric upright and like, that's like the the worst of both worlds. And after that, <laughs> and like my friend, when he's putting in the car, he broke the neck off of oh, it no. on, on, uh, one of those runs, oh. but I kind of took it as a sign and I've been kind of. <laughs> There's a record, uh, great studio in Boston, like Q Division, uh, you know, record like a bunch of people like Amy Mann, like all kinds yeah. of like, people that have done their uh, records there. But uh, but yeah, Q Division was kind of like our home. They kind of like, you know, these like young kids, we didn't have any like, money or anything, but they would like record us and stuff for free because they believed in like Eli and like the, the band and stuff. So like uh, Ed Velasquez, who runs like Q Division, uh, he's a bass player. Uh, so he'd like loaned me this big like Gretsch Country Gentleman, which I don't know if you know yeah. that. It's like the biggest like uh but yeah, anyway I borrowed that and I was like, Man, I get I think it's time to start learning electric because like it's it's not really like the upright became impractical. So uh Yeah. So yeah, I borrowed that for this like street festival in Jamaica Plain, Boston. We were playing then it kinda went from there. You know, I just like ordered like a little like fender uh I don't know. I don't like what they call it, like the sting bass, but it's basically like a '50s precision, one of those yeah. little like single, single pickup things. And that was yeah. like my first electric bass. And then I started playing. Uh, yeah, just, I was on the road with Eli playing a lot of electric. But I still kind of when I came home, I would still obviously play upright. I didn't feel like I was an electric bass player. Uh, <clears throat> and I had this like transition where it was like something I was resistant to, to something that I was like kind of New York is a flat line. I didn't like love. I didn't hate. It was like whatever. And then after a while, it just became apparent, like, okay, like you're not really playing any upright. Like, you're just playing, like, electric. And then, you know, it is people see you for one thing. They call you for that. So then uh, people just kind of knew me from Eli. And I would get phone calls from other people. And uh, it was always for electric. And then I was like, okay, I better start, like, but, practicing uh, and embracing it, <laughs> embracing it as an instrument. And then, like, uh, you know, fast forward, and I was like, oh, actually, like, I, I want to find, like, my own voice in this. And I really kind of, like, I love it. You know, I like, got it into, like, 
you know, my thing was always like the the Dan Electros, like harmonies, like still to this day, like uh, yeah. which is funny, like coming from the upright bass, like I prefer these like old short scales from the fifties and sixties. But uh, really, just kind of got into like you know, uh, I think at first because I just wanted to make the electric sound as much like an upright as I could. Right. And I think to some degree, it's it's still that way. Like I still like uh, I don't have any bass with round wounds. It's still like all like flat, flat wounds and uh. Yeah, this is kind of like my I like the, like the sound and the the feel, but uh, but yeah, I just kind of start to like really kind of love the tone of those old basses, and then kind of like oh, uh, want to like find my own my own thing, you know. And you still got, and I, I mean, I don't, I'm sure you've got a collection of basses now, but um, the most recent video that I saw was that Duran Jones thing. If you guys collab, and I think it was on Instagram, is where I saw it. But okay, you have yeah. a pretty large. Is it like a semi hollow? Yeah, it's like an old, like, yeah, old K. They call it like a K speed yeah. demon in there. Like, this okay. like old, like, kind of like uh, speed bump pickup. But still, that's like to my day, to this day, like my favorite, my favorite instrument. It's just kind of like warm, but then like also projects, you know, and same rats, thing with like the Dan Electros. Brown girth. Yeah, yeah, but, you can get that body, mm-hmm. the upright thing, but then you also like can like get like a little dirt. You know, mm-hmm. and if you put like a if you put a little dirt on it, like a little fuzz or something, it really responds. Or just like drive, drive an amp. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sunday night, and you're listening to Local Mash on Birmingham Mountain Radio. Looking out the window here, the ice cream truck tearing through the couch cushions, trying to scrounge up a bucket. No, I'm running to get to him, but oh, he rolls away. Cause I gotta stay cool on a hot summer day. I got three quarters and two dimes. I got four pennies. It's all mine, and I'm walking on the street just to be seen. Looking so good, so fresh, so clean Yes, they better be so mean All I got now are 99 cent dreams Running through the fountain on a late afternoon You know I always hear my mama calling way too soon Chasing after girls and try to make them holler I have money to burn Looking for a block party or a barbecue Who said balling out was impossible And I could do things that was hard to do A quarter water plus chips and a Charleston shoot <laughs> It was water kid like every yarn Looking for a girl like a move heavy yarn In the vein of Christina Milian But with more echelon and some pink jellies on Now, not some average missus Someone I could play run, catch and kiss with Back then kid, please believe this Only thing me and Eli would need is Three quarters and uh-huh. Times I got four okay. pennies. It's all mine. Oh. I'm walking in the street just to be seen. Looking so good, so fresh, so clean. Where I say better be so mean. All I got now are 99 cents. Walking in the street just to be seen. Looking so good, so fresh, so clean. Where I say better be so mean. All I got now.
99 Cent Dreams from Eli Paperboy Reed featuring Big Daddy Kane and my friend Michael Montgomery on the bass. You're listening to Local Mash on Birmingham Mountain Radio, brought to you by Church Street Coffee and Books. Now we're going to get back to our conversation with Mike. So, going with Eli Paperboy Reed for a little while, and then what's the what's the next thing? sort of project that you started getting involved with after that was it Sincane or were there some things in between it was Sincane I mean there's always like you know kind of like random things in in between you know uh just kind of like pick up pick up stuff or whatever as you have time but uh sure but largely sure. like it was mostly yeah I feel like mostly like it was Eli and then and then Sincane just because uh both of them end up, end up kind of be on the road a lot and then just didn't leave a lot of time for other stuff so like I, I would have probably liked to play with more people you know it's just fun to like try you know listen to we listen to all kinds of different things and you want to play with all kinds of different things you know i've been like in reggae bands and like you know and then like jazz and like rock but like you know so you need you know being with one band like that busy you're kind of just like scratching one itch but i would have yeah. loved to have done more stuff but uh mostly it was like eli and then uh we kind of like hit like a, a place we weren't like doing as much. Did have a little spot, and it ended up being that kind of thing where I think uh, I probably like met Ahmed from like Stincan like around like twenty, I don't know, ballpark in like twenty thirteen. But like mm-hmm. you know, after like kind of like seven eight years with with Eli, you know, it's like a pretty specific music and then a music that I love, but like kind of wanted to do something different. And then uh, I have a friend. Mikey, uh, Mikey Freedom Heart in New York, who, uh, yeah, he just kind of told me, like, there's this guy, Ahmed, who's, like, looking, uh, he just told me, like, that Ahmed was, wanted to, like, jam, you know, which, like, I found out, like, later, I still was pretty green, because I didn't, like, play with a whole bunch of bands, and, like, it was mostly, you know, I just kind of fell into, like, the Eli thing, but, like, found out later that, like, that's like a technique. You're like jam, but it's really an audition. But it's probably better. Yeah. I didn't know those auditions, so I just kind of went and played. Yeah. And then uh, it was like, hey, actually, like starting a band. Like, would you like to? And I was like, sure, man. This is like totally different because this is just, like Ahmed's thing. Like Sinkane was like he's from Sudan, yeah, and like comes from like this uh, a lot of like kind of polyrhythms. But then also he had been and played a lot of bands. Like he, uh, him and the drummer from Sinkane just come off of playing with like Yesayer for years and like uh, oh, wow. Montreal. Like he oh, played, wow. he played in Caribou. Yeah. Uh, yeah, drums in that band. So he had like, you know, a lot of, I guess, like for lack of a better term, like kind of indie cred and then like, but also like the polyrhythmic background, like an understanding of like mm-hmm. kind of uh, like, like funk and like, you know, Sly Stone, that kind of stuff. So it was that. It was like this fusion of like African polyrhythms and then like, you know, like psychedelic uh, elements, and I like kind of synths and like delay and yeah. reverb, which is like, I, I yeah, that's like my sweet spot for me. Yeah, you know? and there's a lot of, like, like beautiful female back, yeah. backing yeah. vocals and man, yeah. or in the lead too. She's she's seen yeah, some like leads. A, uh, yeah, Amanda Keery like ended up yeah. like joining up and like uh, Elena Conlas like uh, yeah. Later on, we had like a keyboardist join like yeah, we, like sung like lead on some stuff and she was like a synth wizard who actually was uh i went to school with at berkeley and who was in that uh that first like reggae band el pueblo we would play around like uh, okay. boston uh yeah. and fast forward like years later we're in this band like sin kane after kind of losing touch uh syndicate yeah. lounge oh that's okay. the place yeah, yeah, yeah. The upstairs, upstairs yeah. when i couldn't i don't i've just blanked out yeah. on it totally i mean it's i'm a sad only landmark to, place. uh so i only got to go there and like play there once but i liked uh i really liked the feel of it yeah, yeah. So I saw yeah. The, I saw you guys there, and then I think the last time was um, well, it was at Workplay, wasn't that Sincane that came through with Ila Bamba that we were oh, just yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah, so maybe like maybe four times, like a year tree, ago, like Workplay, just over a year ago. Like it seemed before the pandemic stuff. Yeah, right? I think it was right before because we uh, did a six week tour. It's like uh, actually my first tour with with uh, Duran and them. Uh, but yeah, I kind of joined up. Uh, and my first show was with when New Year's, uh, New Year's 2020. Okay. <laughs> so we played like in New Orleans, like New Year's. And then Wilco has this festival, like the uh, Blue um, Sky Festival, okay. something like the yeah. Hard Rock Resort in Cancun. So we did a... Oh, wow. So I did like New Year's with them. I did one, one uh, that like Wilco Festival. And then, uh, and then that was my first tour. So I was like, okay, fine. I can play like a run of shows because I was still trying to like, memorize the songs and stuff. But like, mm-hmm. so we had this six week run. Uh, 
Yeah, and that's when we played in like Birmingham, and then the last show was Chicago on March twelfth. So like it was like you know oh, yeah. that was the day that like and then, the NBA uh, yeah they canceled that and like Tom yeah, Hanks Friday like, the thirteenth uh, was the infamous, yeah. yeah so you knew it was like uh, that's when people took it seriously when Tom Hanks had COVID then it was a real thing but uh but yeah so our last show was March twelfth I came home and uh but yeah I was uh I was on that six week run so probably in February or March uh, shortly before. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. it was cold and rainy that night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it was like kind of being being home and like playing, like yeah, yeah. Seeing you, uh, our friend Andy came out to uh, yeah. hang. So like, I didn't didn't mind. It was just like nice. saw your dad. Yeah, I hadn't seen him in forever. Yeah, so it was just nice, like kind of hanging, being here, and like yeah, I think I went up the road and got some some barbecue. So yeah, I didn't mind a little rain and cold weather. It was a good day. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I know we need to wrap it up here. Um, but so have you kept from from going insane over the last <laughs> year yeah <laughs> since since the pandemic hit well i know i mean i know you're always working on things and uh, yeah but it was um, like terribly busy luckily like duran and co like are uh pretty good about like uh, they just really figured out a way to do. We kept busy during the pandemic, like doing some like distant stuff. A lot of people did, but uh, you know, after a while, and like that kind of became for I think a lot of people kind of old and like uh, it's like cool. Like I don't want to be in my room like on like you know Zoom anymore or whatever. Like filming my parts. We did some of that, and then uh, that kind of dried up. But we uh, eventually like towards November, you know, which I guess is like six months into it. It's a while until we uh all kind of like isolated and got tested. We went down to, uh, they started in Bloomington, Indiana. So we went to a studio there and uh, started working on a new record, uh, which was supposed to happen, uh, you know, anyway, but it kind of got delayed because of the, the pandemic. But, but yes, yeah, so we managed to have, uh, get together, have a writing session uh, and record an album during all this. So that definitely helped. Uh, that helped. And then, you know, I started doing... Uh, I've been taking some Skype lessons, uh, started studying some composition, you know, just like kind of little projects. And then I can, I'm always fine. You know, we have all our toys and like gear, like in pedals. So like uh, we talked about it earlier, you both have that kind of like drive, but really uh, I was, I was okay. I'm a little bit of a, a homebody too, you know? So, uh, so yeah, I definitely like, kept busy just kind of like uh, working on, you know, I was on the road. Like, I, I got a chance to like work on a lot of music and try to record stuff and kind of, play with sounds and have like some some synthesizers like a little like modular setup just got a chance to really uh kind of dive into some menus and like uh our yeah and uh youtube videos and just like learn how to use some of this like old gear i bought had a lot of old stuff that broke some like old like you know old 80s or, like rolling rack stuff so had time just to kind of fix stuff but but yeah honestly like you know it was like uh obviously like a, a tough time but i had uh you know Silver Lines, I did have like a lot of time and just kind of tried to like stay focused and like kind of work on new stuff, you know. So it was a uh, hardier, like certain parts, but in terms of, like I feel like uh had a lot of like personal progress, like musically that wouldn't have been possible uh, if I'd kind of been like, normal in circumstances and, in, and, in and out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I feel the same way too. It has definitely been a a, a personal time of personal growth and. reflection and introspection and also finding out um not just more about my voice but how it fits with the other voices that i'm surrounded by and Mm -hmm. you know yeah i mean um, not much not much choice in the matter so like yeah best to kind of take the opportunity and yeah 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 well I know it's not um an original tune but this uh everybody's got a right to live that version that you sent me that I actually played this last week. Oh yeah, um, oh, that's a beautiful. Uh, it's such yeah. a man. It just it really got me. And then so then I started. I was like, I, I feel like I've I'm familiar with this song, but I didn't remember who, like all the specifics about it. you know like uh, Frederick Douglas Kirkpatrick. Is that? I feel like the and and the what's what's the other guy's name? Uh, like Jimmy Collier, right? The original yeah. authors, but. It, from like 68 or somewhere in, in there way, like, or yeah. is it even earlier than that back like yeah yeah my mind for like details like they sometimes go go in and out but like yeah. yeah yeah but just a beautiful reimagining of it with this soulful kind of thing because it's it's um 
the original ver- or the version that I was listening to. Uh, pretty different. Li- it's pretty different. Yeah, it's yeah. De- uh, almost more more like folk folk kind yeah. of thing or bl- or blues or, or I don't know but, uh, American roots ish. Exactly. Of, yeah. Uh, this really cool. Almost kind of low rider soul, but like a yeah, yeah, laid yeah. laid back thing, and a yeah. It's the juxtaposition of that that um that really because it 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 puts you at ease, and then all of a sudden you realize that we're talking about some really heavy content. Yeah, right. You listen to lyrics, you're like, oh yeah, because it was like protest song, you know. And Absolutely. Like, that's why I had that feel like a lot of like the Pete Seeger, you know, like a mm-hmm. Woody Guthrie, you know, a lot of that mm-hmm. protest music, you know, it was like kind of folk. Yeah, yeah. Kinda had more of that thing, so it's like an updated, uh, yeah, version of that. But like, you know, we're like, like a lot of like songs, you know, Marvin Gaye, whatsoever. Like, uh, unfortunately, it's still kind of relevant. And then, especially like uh, yeah. at the time when it it came out, you know, uh, lyrics still were kind of relevant as ever. You know, yeah, ding, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time to hang out. Oh, and of course, man. It is my, my pleasure. It's yeah, fun it's to get to, to have you in the space that I've been working on and yeah, get some good energy in here, you know? Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a treat. And it's like, yeah, great to see, uh, like I said, and, and, and inspired, you know, just like so happy uh, with your space. It's like really cool and like kind of it's got me got me thinking <laughs> yeah yeah when you yeah. get home you can do some more things that you've got going and i mean i just hope that one day we'll get some time to really kind of root down into space and and create you know make some sounds together yeah it'll happen yeah it will it's, it's, it it's, will. it's inevitable we're on we're on that collision course yeah <laughs> it's gonna happen yeah, yeah yeah oh man well i look forward to catching up again and keeping in touch with you over the years and um just so thrilled so thrilled to see yeah. see our Birmingham folks get out and make waves in other places, man. Just, oh man, I'm me, happy to come, come back and uh, yeah, yeah. It's good to see you and like hear uh, find out more about like the the radio show and then like you just kind of going through and like putting all the records of things that uh you know come out of Birmingham and what people are doing. But uh, man, we just I'm just so the happy surface to see you. too. You know, like, yeah, I'm just happy to see see that. You know. Uh, yeah, I just kind of like uh, yeah, you've you got like a finger on the a finger on the pulse, and it's just like you know, it's my home, and like it's just really cool. Like, and then like the music scene's really kind of since I left, like kind of really like you know, uh, blown up too. There's like stuff I didn't even know about, but it's like really cool to see him. A little, a little jealous too. I was like, and I live here too. Like, uh, yeah, like uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, I'll just kind of listen, and then uh, yeah, it's like continue to be inspired by like kind of the music coming out of here too and like the the labels and things like yeah it's pretty amazing yeah yeah and the bruise the home bruise that's a new thing it goes hand in hand doesn't it it goes hand it's grown at like on the same trajectory yeah it's like where where was this when I was here things (laughs) that bring people together yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, the music and good food and and libations yeah yeah (laughs) yeah All right. well I guess we'll wrap it up and Send you on your way with much love and support and oh, man. all the best things and look forward to the next time we can get together. I appreciate you. Yeah. yeah. Love you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, well. man. You're listening to Local Mash on Birmingham Mount Radio, brought to you by Church Street Coffee and Books in Crestline Village. Go to Church Street or the devil will get you. Also by Boutwell Recording Studios down in the heart of Homewood. Boutwell Studios, creative audio and production. My name's Daniel Long, and I hope that you were able to hear most of our conversation with my brother, Mike Montgomery, bass player for Duran Jones and the Indications, also Sin Kane and Eli Paperboy Reed. And I can't wait to catch up with him again and hear what's, what's happened since everything's opened back up. I'm sure he'll be out on the road and um, we'll get news from them before too long. But if you were not able to hear it, then please do go find the podcast. You can find Local Mash the Podcast wherever you find your podcast. And give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all the the social medias, Twitter. And you can stay abreast of all of the coming events. All right. We're going to play you out with two more tunes from Sin Cain. This is How We Be and Passenger featuring my good friend Michael Montgomery on bass. And this is Local Mash. 
sometimes.